This episode of Shaking Spears was sponsored in part by the UJ Student Marketing Department. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. Right. Uh, well, we're back, everybody, and um, let's have a look at the next scene, um, which is Rogan Peasant Slave. Uh, so, not scene, next speech. Um, and yeah, let's have a look at that clip and uh, Brian doing his stylings on the stage. Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, in a dream of passion, could force his soul so to his own conceit that from her working, all his visage wand, tears in his eyes, distraction in his aspect, a broken voice, and his whole function suiting with forms to his conceit. And all for nothing. For Hecuba. What's Hecuba to him or he to Hecuba that he should weep for her? What would he do had he the motive and the cue for passion that I have? He would drown the stage with tears and cleave the general ear with horrid speech. Yet I, a dull and muddy metal rascal, peak like John of Dreams, unpregnant of my cause and can say nothing. <laughs> this is most brave. That I, the son of a dear father, murdered prompted to my revenge by heaven and hell must like a whore unpack my heart with words and fall a cursing like a very drab scullion fire upon it fire about my brain i have heard that guilty creatures sitting at a play have by the very cunning of the scene been struck so to the soul that presently they have proclaimed the malefactions for murder, I would have no tongue, will speak with most miraculous organ. I'll have these players play something like the murder of my father before mine uncle. I'll observe his looks. I'll tempt him to the quick. If he but blench, I'll know my course. The spirit I've seen may be the devil. And the devil hath power to assume a pleasing shape. Yea, and perhaps out of my weakness and my melancholy as he is very potent with such spirits, abuses me to damn me. I'll have grounds more relative than this. The play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. Okay, so we just saw Brian there uh, with Rogue and Peasant Slave. Um, someone just remind me, where exactly in the play does this come? Because all because I play Laertes and I have this massive section off stage, uh, everything around the play within a play is kind of fuzzy to me. Okay, so I'll open in quick. Rogue and Peasant Slave comes directly after the player king has done his speech about Hecuba. Right. Um, and, and so that's what moves him to... Uh, yes. Right. Mm. Um, and again, uh, what are we dealing with here, Brian? What are we looking at in terms of Hamlet's mindset? And we made it very clear earlier that obviously there's a through line that runs through all of these speeches. Um, but 
in this moment. Talk to us about what Hamlet is thinking and feeling. Well, at this moment, he has, he, he's confronted by the ghost. The ghost has spoken to him and said, your uncle killed me. So instead of right in the beginning, his first soliloquy is, is a whole lot of confusion and questions. Now his questions are more pointed um, and he wants to find answers. And Hamlet being Hamlet, he doesn't just directly go to somebody and confront them because, again, he questions himself, he questions his beliefs. I mean, the, the mere fact that he saw a ghost questions his religious beliefs is growing Christian up in a, in a Protestant view. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, um, the player King comes around. He hears that this band of players is coming to entertain them. And um, Hamlet's not a stupid bloke. He thinks, well, I can use this to my benefit, to try and find some answers. Um, and then asks the player king, can, can the players perform a particular something which, which shows kind of what he suspects about the murder of his father, and that way he will get a direct answer if he th gets the desired reaction from his uncle that he's looking for. Yeah. So um, I, I just want to jump in there because I do agree with you. Ham Hamlet is not a stupid bloke. And yes, certainly he utilizes the players for a play within a play. Um, but he, he's certainly not a logical bloke and he's certainly not one who goes about it in a manner. And this may come towards the question of his um, inactivity and his unwillingness to act, which so often is contrasted with um, Laertes as the man of action. You know, he never goes, OK, the ghost said that my father was poisoned with drops in the ear. Right. Let mm. me go ask all of the apothecaries and alchemists in the town <laughs> if such a thing is possible. Let me see if there were any sales of this particular poison around yeah, the time I, of my father's you know, I death. Think that, would be, uh, that would be the logical thing. But I think he's also filled with doubt. And um, mm. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <sighs> I know there's a word and I can't remember what it is, but he's, he's not Spell trusting it out for us. Yes, he, he he doesn't know whether he can trust anybody. I think he's he's being wary of everyone around him. So, a mere you know, along comes somebody and questions all the apothecaries and pharmacists and scientists and yeah. um, vaccination specialists, and those those questions sort of filter down or filter up to who is now the king, yeah. which puts him at risk. Puts. Hamlet at risk. So I think I think he is filled with lots of suspicion. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, about his situation and the political situation. Right. If the ghost is right and his uncle poisoned old the Hamlet, old yeah. king, what is stopping his uncle from poisoning him also? Yeah. And if any of his his investigations get to the king, what's going to happen then? So I think. He is keeping and, so much to himself and filling his, his own, uh, at least pathing his way, setting up his, uh, I can't speak this morning, <laughs> afternoon, evening. <laughs> he is being very careful about his steps forward. Right. And he's and quite right. I mean, out. we're going to see in a few scenes time um, when he is meant to be exiled to England, first for the... Um, for the putting on the murder of Gonzago as um, mm. the play within a play, and then doubled down on that because of the murder of Polonius. 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Claudius gives explicit orders in a sealed letter. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, he does. Uh, yeah. the be- that Hamlet is to be put to death by the King of England upon arrival. And Hamlet obviously yep, turns right. that around. He changes the letter, forges the seal, and it ends up being Rosencrantz and Guildenstern who are put to death uh, for that. Should they be silly enough to present themselves to the King of England with said letter and without Hamlet? Um, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, depends. Are you watching Tom Stoppard or are you watching our version uh, on whether or not yeah. um, they're that um, silly? I just want, can I just comment a little bit on, on Rogue and Peasant Slave as well? Sure. Um, uh, Hamlet is once again angry with himself that he is unable to act mm. given what he has to, to grieve about. Um, and he talks about how the player king can grieve for Hecuba. What's he to Hecuba? Or Hecuba to him, he's, he's an actor, um, and and yet he is moved to tears, and he moves Hamlet to tears, and then Hamlet takes it on, in a negative way, onto himself and says, "I can't, I'm not acting, and I've got so much more." So much motivation. So, so much motivation. Yeah. But I think he's flawed in his argument against himself, and I think it's something that uh, I really would like to explore further as well as we go through these podcasts is that Hamlet's hardness on himself is often what causes his inaction. Mm. He's saying that he can't, um, he can't match the player king's uh, feelings, but he's got all the feelings. He's, he's, yeah. he's tortured, he's tormented. He just can't act on them. Uh, yes. And also not necessarily just act on them, um, where in the play does the line outward shows come from? Uh, it's the very beginning, isn't it? But it's, um, you know, in terms it, of that, um, the player king, that is an outward show. It, Hamlet yeah. is feeling everything, as you rightly said, but he's not, you know, tearing his hair out and uh, ripping his clothes in the style of the ancient Greeks. It's, it's not the outward he's show of emotion. Exactly, yeah. but it doesn't mean that he's not having the feelings. It doesn't mean that they aren't there and that they aren't in incredibly fact, intense for him. But to put us all in the right spot, outward shows is actually um, Iago in Othello. But um, well, Shakespeare but, only really but, wrote the one play and then copied it <laughs> like fifteen, twenty times. But Brian does <laughs> speak about uh, Hamlet does speak uh, in the in the very beginning um, after Claudius has done his whole magnanimous. I love you as a son, and Gertrude says, cast thy night of colour off. He does speak about um, kind of the, the wearing of the... Of the, the wearing of the, the black, mm. and mm. they're continuing yeah. to dress so in mourning clothes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it is thing. similar, and thank you, that mm. lets me off the hook, but not mm-hmm. really. Um, I just mixed up two very different Shakespeare plays. Sorry, everybody. Look at that. It's like a soup. It's a, it's it's, your host is not flawless. <laughs> Music by Midair Machine. Used under license CCBY-SA 4.0. For further information or bookings, contact Doreen at thinktheatre.co.za. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined.